Download Upside and start getting cash back wherever you roll. It's like having your own hype man. Get an average of 17% cash back at restaurants. Oh, it's dinner time. Average of 13% on groceries. Get those groceries. 10 cents per gallon average cash back on gas. It's go time. Plus, cash back at participating convenience stores too. Stacks on stacks. Users can earn hundreds of dollars a year, three times more than other apps. Upside, show me that money. All right, we get it. Get it. It's easy. Just sign up for the free Upside app and start getting cash back for doing you. Download the free Upside app and use promo code DOYOU10 for an extra $10 cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's promo code DOYOU10 for an extra $10 on the free Upside app. Get cash back for doing you with the free app from Upside. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearing southern host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Roper. Hey, Matt. How you doing? You getting this cold snap up in Georgia that we're getting down here? Josh, that is an inappropriate question. It is Martin Luther King Jr. How are you going to come <laughs> up, open up with a question like that on today of all days? You know, have some perspective. Have some perspective, Josh. You, you're going to answer my question? Can I talk? No, am I going to answer your question? Josh, do Can you want to know if I want to answer your question? You asked me a question. Don't interrupt me, Josh. Don't, me don't interrupt me until I'm finished with my comment, okay? You, you, you want to know, know if I I'm going to answer your question. When you come to me asking me on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, you realize Baltimore has redlining, racism is look, a real look, thing. Look, look. And you come to me asking about I the know. weather on MLK Day. I know. I know we're gonna we gotta talk about the John Angelos, Dan Connolly uh question. One of the greatest videos argument. I've ever watched. Yeah, and I and I pulled some audio for it so we can share it. We'll get to that. Okay. But how about we talk a little bit first? Because we got a lot to do today. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I just I just can't stop making jokes about it. I know, I know. It's a it's a lot of fun. It's definitely when uh you sent me the link. So you broke the story to me and I immediately said, Oh, I've got some more sound I gotta trim this up and get this into my soundboard yeah i got i, I will next week i will have the that's an inappropriate question button okay fact, yeah we, we talked about getting new fact, buttons on the show forget uh, forget buttons i forgot i'm not the button guy anymore did you just break something what did you not my charger about? fell out of my outlet okay so, so that means we have a limited time to record the show i'm at 100 percent, but it goes down fast all right. yeah all right <laughs> no you just you just pointed out to something i don't deal with the buttons as much anymore 
it's not as right. easy to do over the stream uh, when we're not together. But what I do do is T-shirts. So it might be time for a not appropriate question, and John Angelos get his first T-shirt. Ah, yeah, that, that might be where call. that might be where we go with that. Yeah, that, that's a good call. So, but, but uh, no, Josh, th- th- things are good here in Georgia. Went to a local mu- museum today. Uh, it went to Atlanta. Oh, with I, the kids. I, I took a trip this weekend as well to a museum to to the. To the, I don't know what's called the Fernbanks Museum, perhaps. Yeah, I went to the um, Islands of Adventure Museum. Okay. So yeah, similar thing. Not it's really. A, uh, I mean, yeah, there's roller coasters and stuff, but uh, same type of thing. Yeah. And I went when it must have been the coldest day I think since I've moved to Florida. Oh, it really? was so cold. It was so it was freezing. Yeah, it's been cold so. here in Georgia. I don't know if it's normal or not. This is my first summer here, but it's like 30s in the morning and it might get up to 40s and it gets up into the low 50s this week. I don't know if that's normal or not. I don't I don't know the Georgia weather. I just know that for Orlando, it was cold. And do you like roller coasters? Hate them. I used to love them. I'm too old now. I haven't been on a roller coaster in probably 10 years. And that's that's my point. I'll go on some. I'll go on some roller coasters, not the crazy ones. I'll go on the like the old style ones that just go up and down some hills, maybe some banks. I don't need yeah. to be twirled and twisted and shook That's around. That's a young man's game. Yeah. Right. So what I found is I turned into the old man at the amusement park. Yeah. Because while Kelly and Owen went and got on some roller coasters, I just pulled the Kindle out of my backpack and sat and read read for an hour. You guys yeah. go wait in line. I'll sit here and read. And then yeah. suddenly I realized I'm the old man at the amusement park. Yeah. Yeah. You are turning into dad. How does it make you feel, Josh? <laughs> you know what? I enjoyed it. I am. Yeah. I, I, I can make fun of myself, but it was a great time. No, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of let's go anywhere in public and find me a park bench. And I'm good for the day. You, you guys Kindle. do whatever you want to do. Play on the playground, go yeah. shopping, do whatever. Just give me a park bench and I'm good. No, my Kindle might start going to Camden Yards with me. I've been known to take a book into Camden and Yards. And wait on. Yeah. I know you've taken a book, and I've seen you do that before. And, I mean, it's a, we're going to talk to a writer today, so it's kind of an appropriate time to talk about. Yeah, I, I have a good a book, book to bring to Camden Yards. Yeah, uh, The Fireballer. Bring that to Camden Yards. Right, right. We're going to talk to Mark Stevens later about uh, The Fireballer. Um, and The Fireballer is interesting because it talks about a kid who had an incident when he was pitching in Little League, which is good timing as well. Because I signed up to be a little league head coach this week. Oh, you did. So, yeah. Those poor players. The, the uh, I got a call on a Friday, base, Friday morning, basically saying, "Hey, we really need another coach. Can you do it?" So I, you were looking at the new head coach of a nine U baseball team. Okay. I, we we need to get some more Orioles co- coaches on the pod. What was that Orioles coach we had in the pod uh, a couple years ago? Ron, uh, Patrick um, Jones. Yeah, Patrick Jones. We need to get Patrick Jones back on here. We need to get some some other coaches on here to I help know. Josh because Josh is in cause, over his head. Well, I was assistant coach last year, so I know the okay. basic things. And it's yeah. nine-year-olds, so my focus is going to be just making baseball fun. But it's also the first year. No, fun is for seven-year-olds. Nine-year-olds, nine-year-olds competitive so baseball. So I have to teach nine-year-olds how to pitch. So I hope Tyler Wells is pretty free in a couple of weeks because I don't know how to pitch. i got to figure that out, the emotion yeah, of a nine-year-old. That, I mean, I coached basketball for a while. I feel confident with coaching basketball. 
I know baseball better than any sport, but I also feel like it's the hardest sport to coach because there's yeah. so many. I mean, you just think about a pitcher so, and just the wind up and just the nuances right. and, and, and how do you get a kid to, um, you know, to improve their swing? It's just, it's such a harder sport to coach than no. the others. And this is, this is nine year olds. It's so nine. I already said, yeah. I told yeah. the other coaches, I said, Hey, I don't know how you guys all do it. I'm going to address the parents on the very first practice and say, my goal for this year is for the kids to love baseball. Like I love baseball. I don't care if we win or lose. I don't care if we're good or bad. I just want guys to have fun and enjoy the game. And, but you got to teach them skills. Nine, You're going to do some YouTube videos. Well, I got, I, I was assistant coach last year, so I got some, I got some skill drills down and stuff. Okay. And I learned that a lot of last year is teaching the kids positions, who covers second base, who covers when to throw to first base and stuff like that. So I got uh, that yeah. stuff down. I, I think game I can is handle ninety-nine percent mental. Yeah. Right. I think I can handle the nine-year-olds. Yeah. Pay attention on the bench. Look at what's going on on the game on the bench. Pay attention when you're not at bat. So I got a little bit of that, but I'm also a little concerned and nervous about being the head coach and dealing with parents. Parents is what I'm scared of, not a bunch of nine-year-olds. I've seen those YouTube videos of parents going crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. know. Still, not not nine-year-olds scare me more than parents, but I get the point. Parents can be a little bit uh, rambunctious. My my baseball question about, listen, at what age – should a young man, a young ball player, be able to squeeze his glove to catch a ball? Because Silas, I don't know if I, I think I might need to get a new glove. No. The one glove he has is a cheap one they gave him when he went to this kind of trial. Yeah. Um, but he can't squeeze the ball in the mix. You gotta, you gotta really break that ball, break that glove in. Get some of that rubbing oil. Put it under his pillow. Like I don't know if he can get his fingers all the way in. His hands are so small. Fingers all the way in the glove and squeeze it. I, We're having trouble with the catching I'll tell you, aspect. I'll tell you, I worked with a bunch of eight-year-olds in the fall, and they can't catch either. Okay. So you're, you got time. I'd say okay. as long as you got him around the game of baseball, you've got an advantage over a lot of kids. We go to the field almost every day in practice. Yeah. Then you'll be We've fine. been shying away because it's been cold, but we'll, we'll get back into it. Yeah. Hopefully March it 8th Hopefully is when it out eventually. We start March 8th, Josh. What, 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 I, when, when's your league start? Uh, on Thursday, I have the draft. There's a draft? The draft. There's a draft of nine-year-olds. Are you familiar with that? Uh, there, is there a tryout? No. There was a showcase on Saturday that you could go to and so that coaches could see your skill level. Ooh, I wasn't there. Go? No, I wasn't there because uh, I had that museum trip. So I asked the, the commissioner, hey, did someone, is there a scoring sheet or something about how all these kids did? There's like 90 kids signed up in the league, 90 or 100 kids in the league. 17 kids showed up for the showcase. So I'm asking <laughs> the, the coaches, how are you drafting players? And they're like, it oh, must well, be guys they know from last year. It's guys they know from last year and stuff. And guys, and I'm like, all right. So it's I'm going to this draft on Thursday. And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, I'll know a couple of the kids from assistant coach last year. And otherwise, I'm like, so I'm really supposed to pick off just a name and be like, Ryan. Ryan sounds like a baseball name. Give me Ryan. Like, how am I supposed to know this stuff for nine-year-olds? You got to find his address, show up to his house, watch him go to school for a while, follow him, see how athletic he is, see if he runs to the school bus, how fast he runs. Is this, Josh, is this the same team you had last year and the coach left? Or is the coach still, is he coaching a different team? He's coaching his team. I'm branching off to my own team. Oh, so you can't even take all the players you had last year. Is it is it silly as a forty three year old man that I requested to be the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, yes, that's or is it appropriate? 
I think it's a little bit silly. It, I think this is your chance to have fun to, ask, to live a fantasy. Just, or should I just say, give me whatever you give me? Yeah, and maybe get lucky and you can be the Yankees and you can, you know, know what it feels like to be a winner every now and then. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. I did not want to be the Yankees or the Red Sox because I then have to wear that shirt and hat every Saturday morning. So I yeah, did not want to be It that might be a little fun to pretend though, Josh. Wouldn't it be no. fun just for a day to pretend like you're the Yankees well, and was, you have Aaron Judge and you have an unlimited I was payroll? The Padres, I was the Padres last year. It was fun to pretend that Manny Machado was on my team. Yeah. So I get that. All right. so, but yeah, Can we talk about so, the uh, John Angelos comments? We'll talk about that in some future. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about John Angelos? Yeah, let's do this. Let's talk about John Angelos. Then we'll get to our interviewer interview with Mark Stevens, and then we'll finish with some Ravens talk. All right, any chance we can get John Angelos and Lamar Jackson on the same stage together? I tell you what, neither of them likes to talk to the media, so good luck with that because they they both avoid any conversation with, with the media. Um and so what happened today with Dan, Dan Connolly, bless his heart, Dan Connolly takes some heat from Baltimore fans. But he, bless he his asked heart. a great question. First time John Angelos has been available for an interview in, what, three years? Yeah. And his defense, this was, I don't know exactly, it was some, pro, the, the mayor was there, Mayor Scott, yeah. our, it was, our mayor. It was, about, it was about the Orioles setting up money for like a foundation for Baltimore City kids. In a co- it's called College Bound, where, where college. they promote now, yeah, going to college right. for city kids. Or it was given $5 million to- towards this. A great partnership with but, the city. Right, but also the whole reason the media was there is because the Orioles and Baltimore City teased this about what it was, about talking about the long-term relationship for the Orioles and the city of Baltimore and making this statement about the Orioles. They, they teased it as this. The Orioles have a big announcement in regards to their commitment to the city of Baltimore. Right. So, And, and the context for said, us. Oh, it's MLK Day. Like, yeah. Yeah. But the context There's for us. There's lots of questions about the Orioles. Right. And this is, we've talked about this before. The context is there's this lawsuit happening between John and yeah. Lou Angelos and, and, and Georgia and Pete. And they're all involved. And. Brady Anderson's in there somewhere. And so there's all this and, fun drama. And the Angelos, as is their prerogative, well, has said nothing to, to the media about it, has not been in public at all. And here is the first time since all this lawsuit drama broke out. Right. He's in public promoting this with the media. And to be fair, Connolly turned the whole question towards uh, he he uh Frame the question around this scholarship. He didn't say, hey, are you guys moving to Nashville? He said, hey, there's all this stuff going on about Orioles ownership. And if what happens if in five years there's a different Orioles ownership, what happens to this scholarship? Right. Like he at least brought the scholarship into it while asking the question. But clearly, and, and, John and there's also, right, there's also such an obvious, easy out of the question. All you have to say is, Hey, I appreciate the question. I'm really just focused uh, today on talking about this, um, whatever college bound foundation. I'll address other questions at another time. Right. Like that's all you have to say. But John took it a little bit personally and got a little petty with it. Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Yeah, let's play a little bit of John and Dan. Let's see if I can play it. No, but seriously, I'm gonna but I'm gonna take you a little bit to task on it. Okay with all due respect, that's not 
an appropriate subject matter for this day. This day is about young people who are attempting, and by the way, to, I'm going to answer your question, but that's Which not appropriate. Martin, Martin Luther King, I, I explained earlier, what, what you know, a, a, a very esteemed professor once uh, presented to a group in Baltimore City that I was a part of, and she said that only next to the state of Mississippi had there been more redlining than there had been in Baltimore City. There's a vicious, virulent amount of racism historically through this country, and part of what we're trying to do here is change that. So it's really not important. It's really not important at all in the grand scheme of things to people that are clear thinking and who mean well and have a perspective to on Martin Luther King Jr. Day while we're talking about putting kids that don't have a shot in hell of anything because of where they were born through college to be talking about those kinds of things. So I'm going to object to that question today in this forum before the mayor of Baltimore and all of these people. A little direct. Why? why? Uh, that wasn't the end. He went on. And I think no, and I got that. more. I just, yeah. I just, it's a okay. five minute clip. So I figured we should stop there and talk about it a little bit. Let's break this I, down. I appreciate the opening. The first we word, all know, you know, we know about redlining. We know about Baltimore city. Um, we know a lot of it about, because growing up knowing the Armstead gardens area. Well, and we know about the racism there and stuff that was going on. We also know that John, to his credit, has, has been out, outspoken. Spoken, he's talked after he's the talk, riots. Yep, this is not his first time putting a toe into politics here, and and and, and talking about the, the the need for for change in the city. Um, and so, to his credit, he's been consistent with this message. So there's nothing was, wrong were, with that message. Was the was the name Collins necessary? Well, Judge, when, a right thinking, critical person. Whenever you, you open up a statement, when he attacks. Whenever you open up a statement, with all due respect, it means you're about to be disrespectful to 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 well, the person with whatever comes next. That's a well, he dead also giveaway. said dead giveaway. I will I will answer your question and then steamroll it into I object with answering that question. It's yeah. not I plead the fifth, but it's basically you're not on a stand. Ask answer a super stupid question. With all due respect. He he immediately went on the offense and attacked about this. With how did he respect, not know this question was coming? That's the thing. Listen, with all due respect, Josh, you, you'd have to be a moron to ask. No, with all due respect, Steve Bashadi is the other owner of a Baltimore sports team. Right. I think Steve Bashadi talks about the same amount as John Angelos, which is to say well, not no, very much. No, I don't think even more. Steve does the state of the Ravens anymore. Right. No. Uh, doesn't Steve? I think Steve does state of the Ravens every year. So. I don't think he did it last year, or the past couple of years. But, but I, might be, okay. I might be wrong on that. But at most, he talks but, once but a year. For, right. All right. You want to hear some more of John? Well, no. But the point I want to say, Josh, real quick, they both talk. Don't talk very much. So if you're not going to talk very much, when you do talk, you should really try to avoid saying stupid things because if John doesn't talk for another year. All I'm going to remember about John Angelos is are these comments, and, and I don't think these comments remember, represent really who John is. But that's all I'm going to remember. No, and remember, up until today, with this John and Lou feud, Lou's always we were team came John. The jerk. We were team John. Yeah, I'm switching over, Josh. I'm team Lou slash Brady. I'm team Lou and Brady uh, now. I've sw- I'm Brady. switching over after this comment. 
All right, let's hear some more. Do we, do we understand each other? Do you, do you understand my complaint? I'm not asking well, you. No, no, I, wait I, a second. I, I want to finish my comment because I'm going to answer your you question. You just asked me a question. That's why I was doing a comment. But you go ahead. You finish yourself. You know, I find that to be highly inappropriate, and I think that your focus is completely out of touch and has no perspective whatsoever on what real-world people face and what the real pillar and role of an organization like the Orioles and Ravens ought to be. Now, my family owns over 70% of the Orioles. Do you, you want to write that down? I know that. Keep going. Well, that's funny you do know. I don't think most people know that, actually. Well, I get paid to cover your team, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you wouldn't really know it unless you, call, unless you read the cap table, so I'm volunteering that to you, okay. number one. Number two, okay, we're not going anywhere. Number three, the principal owners are Georgia and Peter Angelos. And number four... You see what we're doing here in the community. You also know that in 36 months, with an 18-month overlay of COVID, we were able to turn the entire team around. One of the top five or seven or eight or ten, I don't know, you, you probably do know that, um, reversals in the history of Major League Baseball, while also taking the minor league system from 25th to 1st. I actually don't know, and you may know this too, I don't know of any team, I did ask our folks to look at it, that have ever, ever had two number one prospects in baseball back-to-back, -back, but that, there may have been others. So I just think, are you from here? Yes, I am. Okay, I just think that we all ought to have a little perspective on what's important in the world. And what's important in the world is what we're talking about, what you're talking about. You can find any garden variety, high-value sports team or involvement. You're always going to have some controversy. But I've been very outspoken. I'm very transparent. In fact, in fact, I would invite you and all your colleagues next week, not on Martin Luther King Day. You can come back to this building. You can meet me in this office. I'll take you down on the third floor, and I'll show you the financials of the Orioles. I'll show you the governance of the Orioles. I'll show you everything you want to know, and I'll put all your questions. But today, on MLK Day, I'm not answering any of those questions. Okay, well, let me just respond very quickly. And say no, no, that, I don't want you to respond. Well, I just, I'm well, not going to entertain those questions on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Which is the day that you set up for us to talk to you. This is the second time that we have spoken to you in four years. Openly. Let's take another question. So let's take and, another. And, and let me let's finish. take another question. Let me ask one more question here. No, I'm not going to let you ask any more questions because you're highly. It's highly inappropriate on the day on Martin set, Luther King Jr. Day. I'm going to actually limit it to just two more questions so the mayor. There we go. Oh man, so, that's so much good stuff, Josh. We could spend an so hour fun. on this. I, we, we I got saw the that interview with Mark Stevens. We could do an hour on this. No, I know. I went to Conley's Twitter to see, hey, has he said anything since that? And the only thing he tweeted was the video. He tweeted the video himself and just said, yeah. how's your day going? Which I think yeah. is so great. I love Connolly so much in this in this uh, argument. Right. This is the first time Baltimore has loved Connolly so much. Um, even though his question was not just inappropriate, highly inappropriate. Josh, there's nothing I enjoy I, more. I want to have Conley on. Just to ask if he's from here. Yeah. Um, and, and just to, say, asked, hey, did and, you, and did, just to did ask you know him about Peter, Ange inappropriate Peter questions. Angelos. Right. Did you know that Peter Angelos owns mo the majority of this team? All right. Josh, the, the highlight of that comment, I want to I want to wait on. But All right. All right. the thing that what made me laugh the most. Here's the okay. thing that I think is, is so wonderful. When, <laughs> when people 
who are unimaginably wealthy, who own Major League Baseball teams, lecture a reporter about, <laughs> about quote, what real people face. And, oh, and... That right. what you're an owner of a and baseball team. The reporter has a much better who, idea. The reporter is more of a real person than uh, what did uh, uh, what did John Angelos do to earn this team? Uh, he, he was the son of a baseball owner. Yeah, his dad did it. His dad won all those uh, asbestos lawsuits and made a bunch of yeah, money. He, he his was dad born. bought this team and passed it on. Um, uh, what's the thing? Nepotism. Yeah, nepotism. As yeah. if. John Angelos knows what real. I just oh that grinds my gears. What real people face as John, the the millionaire, knows baseball owner knows what real people face more than anybody else. Uh, but Josh, the real highlight of that was he's going to first of all he said he is the most out he is out has been very outspoken and very transparent. Apparently, I haven't been listening when he's been so outspoken. Oh, see. Have you been listening? Uh- no, he's been outspoken. He made one quote, what, two years ago about as long <laughs> as Fort about McHenry outspoken. looks over the harbor. No, that's your favorite part is he's outspoken. I like him asking Connolly, are you from here? When yeah. coming from John Angelos, who we know has a house in Nashville, and all this crap is because they're talking about John Angelos wanting to take the team to his hometown of Nashville. And Dan's been covering the Orioles his whole career. Right, like, right, not, right. Like, he might be new with the Athletic. But he's, he's been right. covering the Orioles, I think, his like entire this, career. This question came from Connolly and not Rock because Angelos pays, owns Rock. Angelos pays Rock. Connolly. Yeah. Connolly just lost his is, press pass to the Camden Yards. That's, what, that's my question is, did Connolly just use his press pass? Does he, Connolly he become have. the next Nasty Nestor? Yeah. But, but, he is, but, but Nasty Nestor was a, a heel amongst most Oriole fans. Uh, yes. Connolly just tur- he turned the switch. He, he did a classic Hulk Hogan, or I don't know, um, her, her, uh, a heel turn, but the opposite, he, a, a hero turn. He turned from a heel into a hero uh, with some WWE now, we, terms. Right. Now, I've, I've always loved we've, I've always loved Connolly, but he hasn't been like the headline guy. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But the other thing, though, I mean, I think the takeaway is. He said that next week, next week, he'll invite him to the third floor, show him all the financials, show him, quote, everything you want to know, everything you want to know, Dan, right? Your entire life. Bring all your questions. Everything you want to know is on floor three. um, And we're going to find out how much the Orioles have, how much is in their books. We're going to know everything because I assume Dan would tell us unless he'll, you know, unless he he can't tell us or he'll have to kill him or something. I don't know. I but Josh, do you anticipate Dan Connolly being invited to floor three and then open up the books for him? I mean, John, the owner, said they would. Is it going to happen? Well, um, I don't know. I went onto Twitter and I did at John P. Angelos from the Section 336 account and yeah. said, can we come next week too? Yeah, I'll come. Look at the financials. I want to see the third floor. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a look under the books. Take a look under the hood. I don't. Yep, I'm not really exactly. qualified to look at the financials. I might have to bring Dad along to look at the financials. He's he's more uh, his more expertise is in in line with audits right. and looking at the financials. So I might have to bring <laughs> exactly, him along. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what to look for stuff. there. Exactly. We can, we'll bring an auditor. Yeah, we'll bring an auditor and we'll get to the bottom of this. I want to see how much they they how much they made last year, how much they are able to spend, 
um, how much they they feel their organization's worth. I want to know all the details. Why couldn't we sign Carlos Correa or even Avaldi? Uh, I want to know. I want to know all the all the details. So hopefully Dan will get to the bottom of it, and maybe we can come along. I, I hope so. I hope so. It's right. a. Uh, it was definitely the highlight of today because it was one of those like gifts that I did not expect coming. So that finally to see the Orioles and some uh, some just fun store news. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's like, it's, it paints the Orioles and Orioles ownership in a negative light, um, it and does. it's all the more reason for John to never do interviews. You want to know why John doesn't it's, talk to the media? Well, let's just, let's just look at this. Right, and he's not going to everyone talk to the media again after this. Right. No, that's what I don't understand. The most obvious question in the world coming when you put John Angelos in front of a mic and you don't have a default answer to say. Just deflect. Whatever. Say, oh, yeah, we're committed. Without getting personal, oh. just easily deflect. Yeah. Just, you don't even have to get personal. Saying, I, I'm not going to speak about that. I'm letting that stuff play out in the courts. We're committed yeah. to the city of Baltimore. My family loves Baltimore. We're going to be here forever. Done. Yeah. Done. Done. So simple. So that's the simple thing to do. You went all weird with it. <laughs> right. Well, right. And I think. And what I th- and I think that's a little bit of what the Ravens are doing too with the whole Lamar situation. It's, the, it's yeah, talking about it weird being blown out of a portion. Yes. So we'll talk about that. Let's talk about that after the interview. All right, let's we got to talk about yesterday's Mark. game. But let's we're in this baseball thing. Let's get written to Mark because I I told you I read the Fireballer on my cruise. Loved it. Read it on the Kindle. I've got the physical copy here. Love it. Really good book. So I was excited to talk to Mark. Section 336 is excited to be joined by author Mark Stevens of his new, with his new book, The Fireballer. Mark, welcome to Section 336. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you about your book. I'm also excited just as, a, uh, as an English teacher, you know, a guy who always wanted to be an author but could never, never lack the discipline to actually do it. I'm excited to talk about just being an author. You uh, got to change that cool. to professor now, right? <laughs> yeah, professor now, but <laughs> former, always an English teacher in my heart. Um, so I guess to start with, uh, your, your your new book, The Fireballer, um, book about a, a, a pitcher who throws really hard. Um, also, the pitcher plays with Baltimore Orioles, thus the connection with Section 336. <laughs> right. Uh, Mark, a little, little thought of. Yeah. Uh, Mark, can, can you talk to us about – uh, I guess to start with your, your connection with baseball and why you chose to write this book about baseball. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, my connection with baseball goes back to when I was about nine or 10 years old, growing up, growing up outside Boston and, um, becoming a huge Red Sox fan. My father listened to the Red Sox on the radio. I don't know, just any nine-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid who likes sports. Um, I just started following baseball as a, as a young kid, played little league. Love the sport uh, from that point on. Um, I'll make a long story short. I mean, I really love writing. I love uh, mystery novels in particular. I spent a long time writing five books in a mystery series uh, that did okay. As far as I'm concerned, I was thrilled to have those out. Never in a million years would have written a book about sports fiction or anything to do with baseball. Had a friend not mentioned this idea of writing a book about a pitcher who ruins the game, who pitches so fast that there's basically no time left to swing, that the uh, existential state of the game is at risk, um, which I think in some ways we're pretty close to if you watch Araldis Chapman at 105.8 or whatever the record is, or 
Jordan Hicks with the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, even 100, 102 is a ridiculously fast pitch to try to hit. So he, he planted this seed of an idea for me, and I, I liked it. Um, and I went home that night and uh, came up with sort of the other half of the book, the, the emotional side of the story just kind of fell out of the sky. My writer brain must have been percolating with the idea. I wasn't really thinking about it, but then I thought of the human side of me. What if something had happened to this guy in Little League? And my writer brain just locked on this and I dove in, uh, much to my own surprise. Yeah, because you go into a lot of that emotion of a pitcher, and it's it's good timing because we had Tyler Wells join us last week, and he talked a lot about the mental aspect of pitching. And now we're talking to you, and the, the same concept of, yeah, yeah, on the surface, it's about this pitcher that throws so hard that they wonder if they should change rules of baseball, how baseball reacts to this. But you also have this 20-year-old, 22-year-old kid still who's mentally going through this process as well. And we all know that is a big hard thing on, on pitching. Yeah. Well, first of all, your interview with Tyler Wells was fantastic. You guys, and you, what a, what a great guy, what an easy going, you know, pleasant guy to talk to and just sort yeah, of took well, me in, took good. me, it took me inside a pitcher's pitcher's head. I thought that was a fantastic, um, you know, I, yeah, I just tried to capture as best I could, um, what it would be like. I mean, phenoms and all the pressure that's on them, of course, that's the added wrinkle to it. And he is just, um, he's still a grasshopper in the big world of big league pitching. But at the same time, he has spent the last 10 years in his head and in his own private situation. I won't give too much of the plot away, but he's just bared down on being a dynamite pitcher and focused on nothing else. And in some ways, you know, if you do focus on one thing and do only one thing for a long period of time, you're going to get better at it. So that was the idea. Yeah. And yeah, there's that human side of Frank Ryder. And then there's this other side that I'm super interested in, but there's all these like uh, baseball is in this weird place. You mentioned about the, the rule changes and pitchers are throwing harder now. And how does baseball respond to that? And they're starting to respond a little bit with some rule changes. Um, but the other side of that is that, baseball has been going through this change of the unwritten rules, right? And it, it feels like over the past maybe even 10 years, 15 years, those unwritten rules as younger players come in and maybe uh, don't follow those unwritten rules, a little more showy. Um, and it seems to be this kind of generational divide between uh, how to view these these unwritten rules. Um, personally, I kind of like the unwritten rules. I think it's like on a moral level, it's dumb to throw at a 95 mile per hour fastball at someone like that's morally feels wrong. On the other hand, like it brings up this added kind of intensity and tension between the teams, which is kind of cool. And, and, and I like it. Um, so what was your approach talking about um, these of how, how to write about kind of these unwritten rules that everyone in baseball is kind of aware of, but they're unwritten, right? Well, in, in the case of, of the novel, I mean, I had to deal with it head on because the situation that Frank Ryder finds himself in is he is obligated um, by those unwritten rules to go out there and do something which is the exact, precise, utter thing that is the last thing in the world he would want to do, given what happened to him in Little League as a 12-year-old. So there's this tremendous paradox, and I'm not, I'm not 
trying to you know bring too much uh, credit to this. This just evolved as the story as I wrote it. But the very thing that um, makes him uh, such a compelling pitcher in the major leagues and his ability to do that, and and I will give away part of the story is the same very same thing. He, he his ability to throw a ball at a very high speed is what took a life when he was a little leaguer. So there's a tremendous paradox with that. And then given the pressure of being a new kid on the block, the new new pitcher with the Orioles, he is put in a situation in a game against Tampa Bay where one of his players gets hit because he had been a little bit too showy on the bases. And so Frank is the pitcher that day and he is expected to go out and plunk um, an opponent. Um, and everybody knows it. And of course, um, in fiction, it's great to have your main characters face their darkest fears, and um, that's that's the situation that Frank found himself in. So, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The unwritten rules. I mean, even even the whole cheating business with the Astros a few years ago. I mean, cheating. Uh, the unwritten rule goes that you, if you can cheat, do it, get away with it, and that's sort of one of the unwritten rules. And who knows how much cheating is going on there uh, to to this day? That's just not getting caught. Um, I think Tim Kirchner yeah, like, and it's well, and it's, it's like you can cheat, like, but like there's, but if you bring in iPads, that's too much cheating. Like there's these blurred or, lines where it's not even clear. The big change. As, as well, that happened last season specifically with pitchers with the spider attack, where right. everyone's been using this for years. No big deal. Suddenly, oh, someone talked about it, and now it's we got to ban spider attack. Yeah. Yeah. So you get through this ridiculous charade of pitchers walking off the mound and getting their hands checked and okay, fine. <laughs> I know it's a silly, funny, interesting part of the game. There's, uh, and there's so many of these kind of quirky things from bat flips to, to spider attack, all these kind of weird unwritten things. I was, you know, there's also something about, um, you know, Frank Ryder throwing 110 miles per hour. There's something really, and he was t- to sell out crowds because of course everybody wants to see a 110 mile power fastball. And there is something to this, right? I remember as a kid, my favorite pitcher, or one of my favorite pitchers for the Orioles, my favorite was Mike Messina, but my next favorite guy was Armando Benitez, only because Armando Benitez could throw the ball 100 miles per hour. And there's one specific game in 1998 where um, he beams Tino Martinez because Bernie Williams hit a home run, and it led to this famous brawl where Daryl Strawberry goes in the Orioles' dugout and starts punching people. Um, yeah. but, but there's something about, which goes back to the unwritten rule stuff, uh, but there's something about someone who throws really hard that just it's exciting, right? It's not it's not even the fact that he gets everybody out. It's that he gets everybody out throwing the ball that hard. Um, what is it about like a guy that throws the ball hard that just get that gets it's it's just it's everybody's favorite player, right? The, the guy who throws the ball hard. Well, yeah, and <clears throat> I think it's thrilling. Um, a lot of people don't they don't like pitchers duels, but um, when you really consider just just the batter and the pitcher, just that dynamic right there alone. Both the pitcher's ability at, at that distance to, to spot pitches and do it so carefully and so um, with such a choreog- choreographed way. And they know exactly where they want to put it and how they want to, you know, sort of just toy with the batter. When you see a pitcher basically own a batter from the very first moment they walk in the box and they're just completely in charge. The batter has no chance. That's just a, it's like watching Michael Jordan. It's like watching Bobby Orr. It's like watching Tom Brady, I guess, if you want to pick somebody else who might be playing tonight. But 
um, you know, I mean, th th these are just at, at another level. And um, then you flip it around the batter's perspective, the sheer idea of being able to stand in a box, first of all, with your knees not completely buckling just at the sheer thought of what, what's coming at you. Um, and then if you put on top of that the um, question of if you're going to swing, where you're going to swing, how you're going to swing, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a 0.3 second issue at 105 mile an hour. That's that's an amazing athletic feat. Yeah. I also wonder, like baseball is the sport that I feel like, at least by perception, <laughs> remains the one sport, the one kind of the major sports that feels uh, attainable for anybody. Right. Like if I'm not six foot ten, I'm not I'm not going to play basketball like to, to play football. You have to have a certain build. But we see baseball players of all shapes and sizes. And so that makes it like seem like, oh, I, I can be. And as a kid, I wanted to be a baseball player like like many other kids. And, and my hiccup was when I got to high school and they started throwing like curveballs and change ups and other pitches that weren't fastballs. Like this is this is too, too much for me. But then one. And I Fact or myth in the big game, the coin toss usually comes up heads. That is a myth. In fact, Tails has come up more often in recent years. Football is full of myths. Like the pigskin isn't actually made of pigskin. Gambling is a share of myths too. Unfortunately, believing gambling myths can cost you a lot of money. So learn what's myth and what's fact at KeepItFunOhio.com. You'll also find helpful tips, interesting quizzes, and great games all to help ensure gambling is always fun. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. I think your book addresses this some. When pitchers start throwing faster and harder and harder and harder, like that's something that's not attainable for everybody. And it makes it almost appear, right, that this is becomes this elite, athletic, unattainable feat. And we're in a situation with baseball right now where it used to be, Aradis Chapman used to be really unique. Armando Benitez used to be really unique because he could throw 100 miles per hour in 2011 or whatever. But now, I mean, we see, I mean, the Orioles have a couple guys in, the, in their bullpen who can throw 100. It's rare to see a bullpen that doesn't have one or two guys that can throw 100 right. miles per hour. As, as strength, conditioning, and more gets better, we're going to have a Frank Ryder. Yeah, and it makes <laughs> you wonder if if – there's something kind of unappealing about this, that this could have a negative impact as this kind of feels unattainable, not to mention if hitters can't hit it, that hurts the sport a little bit if there's no longer any offense. Um, and I thought it was really interesting how your book kind of took up those issues. Well, thanks. I mean, I think that's the crux of it. And clearly baseball is trying to give the offense uh, a jolt with uh, larger bases to try to increase 
base stealing to ban shifts so that the de defense has to play on equal sides of the base, which in my mind is flat out absurd. If the pitchers can't make that adjustment, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not impressed, I guess. Um, that's just yeah. one guy's opinion. I mean, but clearly baseball is trying to get more, more going with offense and yet at the same time cut down on the time a game takes by running these ghost runners out there in the 10th inning if it's a tie game, which I think is another horror show in my personal opinion. <laughs> the, the only only bases ever unearned in 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 uh, baseball where you just are starting on second base in a tie game, which <laughs> that's that goes against every bit of baseball history and heritage, I think. But that's yeah, the, the game is it's uh, it, the game is the rules, right? Um, the game is completely tinkerable, and they are tinkering with it to this day to try to get get the offense back. And I guess fans, most fans, want to see some hits and triples and you know doubles. So, I mean, we just yeah, we just saw the DH rule come into effect across the board. So it is uh, yeah. it's baseball balancing yeah. out and focus on that long ball. Well, I, I think another interesting thing that your book ticks up, and again, by the way, all this stuff, I think for me, not just makes your book really interesting, but also just baseball as a topic so fascinating to think about and, well, and to, to write about all these kind of, um, the fact that numbers do matter, right? The fact that every rule change affects the, the, the these numbers that have been established. I mean, base stealing numbers, uh, are we going to have like a post large base versus <laughs> smaller base? So, so the base not, not, not numbers I have to have to discuss. And the other thing is um, the analytics, right? And we see that brought up in your book with the Orioles general manager um, promoting analytics and throwing out some ideas um, in terms of, of analytics, which also is having an impact on, I think, how we view the game of baseball and how maybe people view the game differently, right? Yeah. I thought, and again, going back to your chat with Tyler Wells, and uh, like he said, you're going to hear – every single different opinion out there from pitchers about all issues involving baseball. But his take was pretty interesting. There are some really useful things that uh, analytics can help show you what you're doing, what your tendencies are, things like that. Um, but at the same time, in the end, when you're out there throwing a ball, if your head is cluttered with all this stuff and trying to, trying to perform um, this, what can be just a very flowing kind of event where you're just, want to be in the moment, I would think that the, the dump of analytics into your head would just um, mess with your mind. And I, I think it's uh, another part of an athlete's ability to separate all that coaching and advice and then just get out there and, and just freaking do your job, which is an amazing, amazing thing to pull off. We, we talk a lot about baseball and how just baseball is set for stories and it's like it's there's constantly storybook endings magical moments in baseball how do you write that into your book but not make it feel like a fairy tale because baseball so many times in real life feels like a fairy tale that is a great question i have never really thought about it that way josh i really like that um thought and i I guess I was a little afraid of doing that, and I don't know. Readers will have to tell me if I if I kind of went into that trope a little too hard, or if the ending feels like um, something that's plausible slash not plausible. I don't know. I'm getting a lot of different feedback from readers, um, but 
I, I really, here's the thing. I, this book to me is about two things. It's about baseball, but without giving too much away, it's also about mental health. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like a downer book for that reason. I hope it's not, but I think mental health is a huge part of issues going on in our society right now. And this particular mental health challenge for this guy, Frank, you know, it was an accident and accidents happen all the time in our, in our life and in our world. So when I came to wrap up the ending, you know, um, I knew that the, the baseball side of it was there and that's, that's manageable as a writer. You can orchestrate game seven of the world series any way you want to, but the real human story for Frank was to complete his mental health journey. And that to me just spoke a different kind of ending where he would have to go do something because I was basically putting his soul back together. That's what I hoped I was doing in the end, that he had such a troubled soul from the moment that thing happened all the way through high school and his parents wouldn't let him play ball. They moved him out of state. Um, they, they tried to protect him in the best way they probably could to make sure that there was no repeat, but he never really, really addressed what happened to him. And so the ending grew out more out of the mental health side of it than from the baseball side of it. At least I hope that was my goal. Right. No, no, I, I, I do. I think that I think Frank Ryder comes across as a very, you, you said, very human character because he is this has this kind of heroic ability to throw a fastball really hard, but he also is very flawed. Right? He's 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 flawed. He might be good intention, but he has weaknesses. He also has right the 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 ghosts around him um, that kind of prevent him from. Um, from, you know, from, from, from being the person he should be. Um, and so he, he feels very much like a human character. Going back to our interview last week with Ty, Ty, Tyler Wells, he reminded us of that too, right? Like he might throw in front of all his fans, but once the season ends, he just goes back and lives his life, right? And, and deals with whatever stuff he has to deal with. And all players, right, are living out their own identities, dealing with whatever Pat in the past um, whatever um, demons they're, they're de- de- dealing with, we all have things we that we go through. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was neat and and well done. Um, Josh, did you have a follow up question, or or I want to get to why the Orioles? But if you have a follow up question, no, and about- that's exactly Mike, Mike <laughs> because it is this. I, that's where I'm going as well because at moments Frank did remind me of Chris Davis ah. as this guy who's just a monster uh, that if everything clicks together. He is scary at the plate. So on the opposite side, and the Chris Davis way, he flamed out, according yeah. to the Orioles. Yeah. But is, I was, I was, uh, I took a cruise last month and was forced to rest for the cruise. So this book got me through that, um, <laughs> a good portion of that. And it was interesting to share with my wife, who is not from Baltimore, or Maryland, some of the parts in the book because I'm, I'm at points I'm like, okay, Mark knows the area, he knows what's going on. But then every now and then I'd see like Oriole Nation, and I'm like, oh, that should say Birdland. Uh, so like, uh, I know he's not uh, a Birdland member, uh, but but my wife no, didn't notice it. I'm like, oh, well, see, I saw Orioles Nation, and the first thing that popped in my head was Red Sox fan, because I think of Red Sox Nation. Oh. But that's a minor. That was just a minor thing that stood out. For the most part, I'm like, oh, he's hitting the key points. He's got the right. He's got Parks names right for for food. going and working out. Yeah, yeah. You got Boogs, you got all the classic parts. So why did you settle on the Orioles? Because, again, we also, we're not a storybook franchise. We don't have a well-loved owner. 
Yeah. But but yeah, why the Orioles in uh twenty twenty three? Yeah. Well, uh the answer is pretty straightforward. Um Part of it is just sort of analyzing it as a writer coming in to try to develop your scene, your setting, all that good stuff. And the other part of it had to do with reality. And I did want to try to ground this story in baseball reality today. And um, I knew that the number one draft pick would unfortunately go to one of the worst teams in the league, right? I started writing this book in 2000, summer of 2018. I finished it up in the summer of 2019. But right from the start, I just... I, I wanted an American League team. I'm originally an American League guy. I wanted one of the old. I know the Orioles only go back to the 50s. They're not like the roots like the Yankees or anything like that. But um, still, to me, from my perspective, they're a classic American League team. And, um, you know, uh, th- this gets into a sort of a fuzzy area. I don't pretend to be a Baltimore citizen or anything, but there's also this issue of reflected glory and how a city's pride um, deals with, you know, how their sports teams are doing somehow has to do with how the city feels about itself. And, you know, Baltimore has gone through some rough times. So every, you know, every city basically has, but it just seemed there's so much character and history there. Babe Ruth, um, you know, just all those great, the, the, the issue of the Baltimore Orioles getting back to those glory days. I mean, you know, what fan doesn't want a true fan of the Orioles like you guys and all the followers of this podcast, they want to see the plan. They want to know, you know, what's the, what's the plan? Where's the Orioles? Why are we, why aren't we like it was in, in the late 1960s? Where is the effort to get back? And that the, the current state of the Orioles, at least since what was it? 2014 or when was their last big year somewhere? Yeah. Uh, 16. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 12, 14, 16. We had fun. But it's been a, that, not much. been a little slide since then. So it just seemed to me there's so much history there. It just seemed to be a good fit for what I was trying to do. So I did my you know, best. I, I actually think it works. I, I think it really works well on a couple different levels. One is you're right. It has that kind of a glorious past Go, going back to um, Cal Ripken, but even before that with Brooks Robinson and Eddie Murray and Earl, Earl Weaver and Jim Palmer. Um, but but then the recency, and I think that fits in with with some of these kind of old school unwritten rules. But then you also have on the other end of the spectrum, um, since 2019, Mike Elias has been here, who very much, and Sigma Dell, who very much represent this analytics, this kind of new way of thinking about baseball, which is very much in the line uh, of the GM in, in your book. So I think it, it actually mirrors quite well um, recently what we've seen here um, with the Orioles. So I think it, it, it's a good... It's a good, a good pick. Well, and I so appreciate the Orioles putting on a show this year. I mean, 2022 was a fantastic year and I knew the book was coming out, of course. And um, I mean, it just was like, thank you. It really shows that, <laughs> it does, you know, it wasn't, there. it really was one key player in a way, Adley Rutschman, you know, coming in, mm-hmm. in my mind, um, he just, you know, what his, the record after he joined was phenomenal. And uh, it shows you what one player can do. And just that spark, that energy that team had, um, it was so much fun to watch. Yeah, and then the moment then becomes, and this is the conversation we're having now in Baltimore, similar to the conversations happening in your book. Okay, we have this one great player. We don't want to mess this up. <laughs> we need to get other good <laughs> players around him to make sure we don't mess up this one good player. Um, so hopefully the Orioles can, in fact, 
do that. You're the GM. Can I just ask the GM in the book was um, uh, she, she is a female. Was there, um, what was your thinking making um, in a kind of male dominated world of baseball, making the GM for the Orioles a female? Well, there are some executives coming up uh, in teams and with the major leagues uh, that are female. And, you know, uh, again, the fiction writer side of me was like, man, I got a lot of guys in this book. A lot of guys, um, you know, when you get into the manager, the coaches, they're all going to be guys. Um, so why couldn't the front office be a little bit cutting edge on that score? Um, so I wanted some female action somewhere in there in addition yeah. to all the heavy testosterone clubhouse scenes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the the um, assistant GM or assistant to, to the GM, I don't know how it's worded, but for the Orioles is, is a female as well. So you're right. A lot of, um, yeah, we, we're seeing that more co- commonly now in baseball. Um, in, in terms of writing, Mark, I, I also noticed this goes kind of tails off Josh's question. Um, in, in the book, is there like you use fictitious uh, names for players, um, but like when you talk about an- announcers, like for ESPN, you'll you'll use their names. I'm just curious, like what's the what's how, how do you make decisions when to use a name, when not to use a real name? Yeah, the, the original draft, when I turned it into my agent, uh, had a lot more real players in there. I thought I could just uh, use the Cubs lineup right down the mm-hmm. right down the row and not have a problem. Uh, he pointed out that, you know, you just have too much player movement that by the time the book comes out and it ended up taking over a year, year and a half to sell, mm-hmm. you just have too much churning. And so, you know, it, it was a judgment call on the players. I went with what my agent's best thinking was to make those all fictitious other than players from the past because they were they are done. They're not going anywhere. But with the... Oh, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So with the announcers, again, there's a little more stability there. Um, you know, Jessica Mendoza, Tim Kirch, and Buster Olney, the Baseball Tonight podcast people, and some other announcers get mentions here and there. And again, there was a little less risk of them having moved off. And if they did, um, that would be a little more explainable than, again, trying to ground that reader in the moment and not try to get them so confused if they picture, um, you know, their favorite third baseman, Chris Bryant in a Cubs uniform, but now he's with the Rockies. By the time the book comes out, you're just kind of screwed. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you don't want that. anything that's to true. take yeah. you out of the story. That, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I made up some names. I made um, up some names. <laughs> you can have more fun as a writer, right? To make up some names. Yeah, exactly. This is funny. I actually went back and I pulled old, old rosters off of uh, previous teams, just mixed and matched some names, just to have some. Oh, fun. really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, the if we can go back for a minute to the unwritten rule stuff, because I'm, I'm sorry to, to to the the changing of the rules. I think we've seen this with all sports. Like I don't want to pick on baseball. We've seen this with all sports. As the game has evolved, you make sport. You make rules that make it more entertaining for the people at home watching on TV, right? I think all sports right. do do this. Like, Football this is, is notorious for it. Yes, every, every year. Having the rules committee try to balance offense and defense every single year. Every single year. Baseball is starting to catch up with that. But we have the players union, which likes to, so they can't, you know, the, the commissioner can't just do whatever he wants. You gotta, it's a long process. Um, are Just as a, as a kind of, as a baseball fan, Mark, um, 
what 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 are your thoughts on on these rule changes? Should we be meeting every summer, like or every off season, like like football does, and thinking about how can we make the game more entertaining? Or because of the rich history uh, with baseball, should we kind of just let it go <laughs> and, and yeah. get our hands off? Good question. I, I think it doesn't hurt to get together and chat and see what everybody thinks, um, you know, and see how the rules committee, what their analysis is. But, um, you know, let's let's I, I kind of well, I'm down with your suggestion, Matt, which is let's let it go for a few years. Let's let it be for a few years. Let's get let's get the fans used to the rules and not have to go through through this big explanation every year. And I, I can't say Major League Baseball has done too much of that in my mind. The basics are still the basics, and that's what connects baseball back for for decades and decades. You know, three strikes, you're out. Uh, try to run to first base as fast as you. Mm-hmm. It's just a silly little bit of sports business that gets done, you know, thousands of times a a, a month in the, in the sport. It's just um, kind of silly in some ways, and just one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see to see a shortstop, gather up a ball and throw it to first base. But all the other little ancillary things around there, um, you know, they're they're tweaking here and there. It's, I guess it's no different than moving a fence in and out at a stadium. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. These, these, <laughs> these little tweaks and changes trying to give your team an edge. Um, I guess that's sort of part of the game too. But in in essence, I, I'm I, I more – more prefer just leave it alone, let it be. Let's see where it goes. Um, the instant replay, I think, is pretty cool that they do their best to try to figure out outer safe. But even with instant replay and all the efforts there, and some umpire in the sky, and you know, waiting for a call from New York or something, they still really don't know outer safe. It's kind of cool. Yeah, oh, don't get me started on that. I heard is this true? I thought I heard that now all AAA games will be done by robot umpires. Uh, yes, and I just, yeah, and I cringe at the idea of MLB adopting that uh, because, again, there's something about even just like seeing an umpire yell with <laughs> yell with the manager, throw back to the Orioles, and Earl, Earl, Earl Reaver, yeah. even more modern Buck Showalter. Like, I enjoy that aspect of the game, and I feel like you lose a little bit something every time you take a human out. I agree with that 100%. 100% right there completely. That's part of the deal, you know, and um, – yeah. Getting a human uh, behind there to call balls and strike that is absolutely part of the game, and robots will just kill that whole that color that that character of the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, well, hey, Mark, now, Steve, yeah, I'm sorry, Josh, you have a. Well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna plug the book one more time. That there's no reason okay. for our listeners not to go grab this book because it's got you got almost 1,500 reviews on Amazon, and it just came out. And I'll say. It's almost all positive reviews. My favorite negative review is someone wrote in there, I don't understand this. Maybe if you know how baseball works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I would argue it's still which I think a that's, good human that's, story that's even outside of baseball. Yeah. Yeah, but I think <clears> the fact that it's so much inside baseball, for me, that gave it even more stars. Because that's what I love about this is it's so grounded in baseball. Yeah, yeah and the nuance. The, the unwritten, and the, the written, the, nuances, the analytics. Yeah. But, but the – that it all takes place inside of baseball and all those nuances of that setting is something where why I know all of our listeners will love this book. Well, and it's about a Baltimore pitcher who's really good. <laughs> we don't see that very often in Baltimore. That's another reason to read the book. Can I can I plug the fact that I'll be and in Baltimore for a book event on April 26th? So um, 
I plan to go to a Red Sox game the night before yeah. that. So I'll be at uh, Bird in the Hand Cafe on April 26th. All right. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah, send people there. Interest. And when it gets closer, we'll make sure to push people towards there as well. I know you, on Twitter you are uh, Writer Stevens, so everyone should follow you there. And, yeah, the book on Amazon right now, guys, you should grab it. It's on sale for under 12 bucks. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, the it's free for your Kindle Unlimited plan. Yep. So definitely check that out. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate your reading it, and thanks for all your great, great questions. It was a blast. Absolutely, Mark. We appreciate you take, take, taking the time, man. Thank you. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and the NFL. And for the NFL Divisional Round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get an even bigger payout with DraftKings uh, stepped-up same-game parlays. So boost your NFL winnings with a leg up to 100%. This weekend, we got playoffs. It's not going to be the Ravens, but hey, I'm down here in Jacksonville. So it's Duval County down here or whatever. Mm. It's the stupidest thing they cheer for in the world. But it's going to be fun to see a little up-and-coming Jags team face off against the Chiefs. Yeah, they got tra- 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 Trevor Lawrence got the got the uh, the butterflies out of his stomach in the first half against the Chargers. What an insane game that was how, last week. How do you throw four interceptions and not get pulled all, and not get pulled and put a backup in in a playoff game? Well, because you're Trevor the Lawrence stayed behind him. And he was able to pull this out. Yeah, and I don't know if that story is... over at Waffle House. Yeah, yeah, this I saw the video of him at Waffle House. This guy is Mr. Jacksonville. No one fits this town as much as him. It's, re- it's really special to see down here. Uh, I wish it was a Baltimore team, but it's fun to see Jacksonville do well. Yeah, well, he's going up. Unfortunately for him, he's going up against the, the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, right. the best in the business. That's why the Patrick Mahomes no. Chiefs are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Josh, who are you going with here? The underdog, uh, the Jaguars, you know, or, or, or are you taking the Chiefs I don't know if Chiefs you heard, here? but $5 gets me $200 in free bets. I, mean, I say it every week. So since I got that free, I still got some of that free bet money, so I'm definitely putting some of it on the Jags to upset the Chiefs. But let's be real. Uh, it might be better to play with some of these same-day par- same parlays rather than actually bet on the Jags this weekend. Well, even if you just, I mean, if you don't do the money line, I mean – the, the Chiefs tend to not cover. Uh, that's their thing. They win, but sometimes they don't cover. Over a touchdown, eight and a half points seems like a lot of points for, you know, a Jaguars who are a legit playoff team. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go with the Jaguars, too. Take the points. All right. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code SECTION336. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Section 336. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 plus, physically present in Maryland, eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. See DraftKings.com slash MD for full terms and conditions. All right, the the All Ravens, right. by the way, covered. All right, if we're into gambling, and I think every team but the 49ers, I um, mean, but the Seahawks, I should say, covered or every underdog covered or upset, except for the for, uh, the, the 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 Seahawks. Uh, but the Ravens covered. Josh, 
Thoughts on the Ravens game? Kind of a heartbreaking loss that we weren't totally optimistic, but it was a weird way to lose. No, we knew that. I love this defense. I really love the defense this year, especially towards the end of the year, how this defense came together and kept Huntley, who had no business in these games. And even Huntley, when I look at Huntley, and yesterday he's having fun out there. He's making plays and he making moves well. that are keeping them in it. And I look, and I'm like, we, we have a backup quarterback and no wide receivers. No one that – no one lining up as a wide receiver should be a wide receiver in the NFL. Sammy not Watkins just cut receiver. by a non-playoff team in the back right. and we just picked These them up. These guys yeah. should not be – and that's who we've got going out there. And somehow we lose the game on a, on a fluke QB sneak that the players screwed up and that our backup quarterback decided to jump instead of tuck the ball. I don't yeah. – he it's, was it's listening to too much Michelle Obama. To when they go low, we go high. No, when they go low, you go lower. He should have went low. He went high like right. Michelle. He, he should have went low. And that's, yeah, it was kind it's, of a fluky thing. And it was, it's sad, uh, sad way. But Josh, if we if he makes that, there's no doubt in my mind we win that game, right? If if, if we just caught up and tackled uh, the big boy that ran all the way back. We Who was a le- got Mark Andrews illegally blocked, by the way. But oh yeah, I saw that. I saw, yeah, yeah, a little block yeah. in the back. If we knocked him down, we would have won that game because our defense so. was stepping up. Our defense was holding them down. Getting Burrow them back, is overrated. Goals. Yeah, yeah. Burrow has better wide receivers and was not getting the ball to them. Ravens were doing a great job. Uh, also, a little. I thought the Marcus Peters uh, penalty was a little frustrating because the whole game is a chippy game back and forth. They're all yeah. pushing, shoving, hitting. And to call that was a, a frustrating. Yeah, but and and we can rehash the game all, all you want. We were expecting it doesn't matter. I thought we, we were, were a better team. A we were. I thought we were a better team. We just kind of lost in a fluky thing, which happens because it's, yep. it's football. Um, but I'm already at next year, and I know everyone. This is overreaction. Who's our quarterback? Monday. Who's the quarterback next year? Josh, if Lamar comes back and we get one receiver, one really good veteran receiver. And Rashad Bateman comes back. I think we are super, and we bring back this defense, right? Maybe yeah. some small changes, but bring, no, pretty much bring with this defense. I think we're a Super Bowl contending team. I think we're a Super Bowl, and, and yeah. fire the offense coordinator, bring out a, a competent offense right. coordinator. I think we're a Super Bowl contending team. That's all we got to no. do. It's not like we're we have to go to rebuild mode. No, give Dobbins the ball. Dobbins proved him. He's a game. Oh my he gosh! Dobbins have the ball. I almost, um, Josh, I almost lost. Third and one when they handed to Mark Andrews. I was like, uh, lost my mind. No, that, was that third and one or fourth and one? It was supposed uh, to be. I don't know. Know. He got it. But I know. I was like, what are you doing? But it was like, yeah, it was like, oh, we need to get Mark Andrews in the game somehow because he's constantly double teamed. But that's not the way to do it. Yeah, I, I loved that Dobbins was critical after the game, saying he should have gotten the ball. Yes, love it. He, never, he, he scored the touch on the red zone. He didn't get another touch uh, uh, in, in with, right. with, on the goal. And and you so like, I, I think Dobbins is right to be critical. Um, that's where they messed up. Whether it's Edwards or Dobbins, I don't care if the other team right. knows it's coming. That's the whole point. Our running game's good enough. You can know it's coming. Now try to stop us. These offensive coordinators try to get too cute with it. Just do what you do well, which is so yeah. frustrating. But you bring back Dobbins and Edwards, a good offensive line. Um, I hope to bring back Lamar Jackson. We'll, we'll see what's there. But this is not a rebuild team. This is a team that's close no. to Super Bowl contending. We're good. We just need, need a couple yeah. pieces. No, I think you sit down with Lamar. You try to get his head straight. 
and you uh, franchise tag him for a year. Try to get his head straight. You you you, you sit down with John Harbaugh. You try to get hit, hit his head straight, and then you bring in Lamar and oh, you go for it. I don't know. I think Lamar. I think the coaching staff is frustrated at Lamar. The players are frustrated at Lamar. You've heard players speak out. You've heard John Harbaugh purposely like not comment and avoid. I think I, just, I don't uh, care. In this relationship, who is more important? This is not an equal partnership. In this relationship, Lamar Jackson is worth more, is more valuable to me than John Harbaugh. I'm sorry. If you got to bend over backwards for Lamar, you do it because he's your franchise quarterback. They're not equal partners I here. I don't know. When you have a defense like this, you said bring in a wide receiver, bring in Lamar. If yes. you bring in a wide receiver and any quarterback that's a step above Huntley, aren't you good? I'm not sure. I mean, sure. it's not Lamar. Lamar's special. But yep. I'm saying this team gets into the playoffs with Huntley. It can get into the playoffs with someone a little bit better as well. I don't know. You see Kirk Cousins, fourth and eight with the game on the line, throw a three-yard pass to his tight end. That was some Joe Flacco yeah, stuff right yeah. there. <laughs> that was that reminded me of Joe Flacco, yes. I, I but mean, Joe Flacco got us a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we've been hashtag defense. blessed to have Joe Flacco lead right to Lamar Jackson. But just look at the, the Commanders franchise. They've been searching for a quarterback – since, I don't know, I, I don't know how long they've been searching for, searching for quarterback since Danny Warfel. That's a bad know. reference. Um, but you, I mean, the, the Colts, since, since Andrew Luck, been searching for a quarterback. So no, you, you have at, teams. Uh, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, you look at the you look at the Broncos, constantly struggling over there. Quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trade for Russell Wilson still doesn't help him out. Yep, so the only I time he got that. Super Bowl is because they had one year of Peyton Manning at the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So it's I true. I don't know if you want to go down that route, but. The Ravens, the draw- your boy Steve Bashadi's got to make a decision here. But Josh, day one, that's going to be the whole offseason. You think it's going to be the whole offseason? Well, why, why is Greg Roman gone today? Then, yeah, he's gone tomorrow. Um, the you think so this week? Yeah, and, and what and what do you call it where the players come and work out that um, the, the draft picks uh, the. Uh, uh, I the combine, combine, but that's wrong. Combine, the, there we go. The combine, the, co- the the draft combine. I think we'll know at the draft combine what the Ravens will do for next year. If Lamar's still here at the combine, then we're rolling with him next year, franchise or contract. If he's, I, th- I think if they're going to trade him, it'll be at the combine because they're going to get some draft yeah, picks I, and then make that move. But I think we'll find out then. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Lamar wants to play for us, I want him. But if Lamar doesn't want to play for us, then you have to trade him. It's, 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 it's that simple. But in my mind, I want Lamar more than I want. If, if Lamar says, you know, I really can't work with, this co- with, the, with the coaching staff, then get rid of the coaching staff. Yeah. That's um, where I'm at with it. The, but we'll see. Kind of. I think, I think John Harbaugh is frustrated but doesn't lose. It's hard. You, you want Lamar on your team. If Lamar can can play, you want him on your team, and I think the frustration is that you is not it's not a Derek Carr situation where he left the team because he was a distraction because the coaches didn't want him. Here, I think everybody wants Lamar on the field, and the frustration is that Lamar is not playing with him. Well, there's so, so a, much weird stuff. There's Mike Preston coming out with accusations that he he's lazy. There's John Harbaugh saying he's going to be back in a week, two at the most, and then hearing yeah. nothing. Nothing about then, his injury until weeks, right. a month later, Lamar Jackson tweets it out. There, there, there's and then, Lamar Jackson and not traveling Harbaugh. with the team. There's Sammy Watkins having quotes in, in, the, in, in the Washington Post about him. There's Michael Vick talking about he should put a brace on and just play. 
There's um, uh, there's Marlon Humphrey saying he can't walk without a limp in the locker room. There's just I don't know who to believe. I don't know what's going on. It's such a weird situation. And then situation. you got John Harbaugh saying, "Oh, I can't talk about it." Yeah, refuse to talk. He's saying, but he doesn't talk about anything uh, anyway. He says about all injuries. Hippie, right? Exactly. So. Uh, so yeah, weird. so it's a lot of drama, a little interesting. I did see this storyline on Pro Football Talk tonight, all about that the officials missed the illegal block in the back on Mark on Andrews, Andrews on Sam Hubbard's fumble yeah. return. Which, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. but I mean Huntley shouldn't have fumble. Um, Huntley should Huntley right. should go low. Huntley should have never been in that position. Oh uh, yeah, Huntley should hand the ball to Dobbins. That's Huntley should hand the ball to Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins, you give it to Dobbins, the Ravens win. Yeah, you give it to Dobbins or Ravens win. That's true. So I think, Josh, I'll say this. I would be surprised if come the first preseason game, Lamar and John Harbaugh are both there. (laughs) I think it could be a situation where someone's got – there's not room for both of us. I'm just going – it's going to be an interesting offseason. You know, when you you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't take care I'll of that take, thing, I'll take Lamar. I'll take Lamar's words today on his Instagram post. Yeah, and I don't think that's highly inappropriate. <laughs> I think there's a lot of there's a lot of talk going on out there, and I will. Say, I can't wait for it. Love, as much as I love Lamar, part of Lamar's problem is Lamar. He doesn't have an agent. All of the everyone around him is his family, who have probably been building him up for years and and it's 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 the hype the lamar hype as fun as it is as fans for the lamar hype the lamar hype is also in lamar's head maybe i mean roquan smith just signed with the ravens he doesn't have an agent either so i I mean i don't think we can know but he got that deal done he got it done he he got it done it may may be setting his example for lamar making a difference yeah mostly it's going to be an interesting offseason all right yeah, that might be the most Ravens talk we did in a while. But it I can't wait. I mean, here we are mid-January. Pitchers and catchers report in a month. month We've had so much content on 336. We haven't even talked about promotions yet. You know how much I love promotions. We'll get to it next There's week. There's a bunch of bobbleheads. we got to get to it next week. Yeah. Um, International we signings. We'll get to it next week. Yeah, that has a huge list. We didn't do so good in the uh, in the last trivia thing uh, podcast. Oh. So we'll get uh, Hopefully we can do a little better performance this week. I'm yeah. And, uh, okay, fine, Josh. I'm yeah, okay. No. Fine. <laughs> exactly. I don't expect to do any better. Well, but I have a busy schedule. Because of that, I don't know how long I'm gonna keep on doing no. this. I got a busy schedule here. Oh, you wanna so you wanna lose so we get out of it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I gotta do the podcast th- th- this week, then an- another night a week I gotta go go on and do right. the family feud. Uh, I know. But the good thing double is elimination. A little bit much for but me. The fun thing is the fun thing is we're talking baseball. So like we had yeah. it, we had Tyler Wells last week, Mark Stevens this week. We've got only like three more, three, four more podcasts, and then we're pitchers and catchers. And then we'll start talking about how fat Chris Tilton is for spring training. Can't wait. Yeah. Isn't he working out somewhere? Isn't he doing a showcase? Chris yeah, Tilton? he was. They, they said he was throwing like 90 miles per hour or something. Any chance we can bring him back here? Well, I was shocked. I think it said he was like 34 or something. I thought for sure he was 50. Uh, he was... The age surprised me. He was like mid thirties. Well, remember when Jim Palmer tried to come back in like the nineties? Yeah. He, he well, I remember when Jamie Moore, I think it was, tried to come back. Or you know who else tried to come back? Is Rafael Palmero? He tried to come back. So you have uh, these veterans. I forgot about Palmero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Think the Raven, I think the Orioles signed something this week? Is that going to be, I think, a family feud question from Ryan? Uh, Orioles players who tried him to come back? If it is, we're ready for it. Palmer. It would be. It would be. Palmero. Jamie Moyer. I'll listen to the other guys, and I'll know all, I'll know all the answers when it's other people playing. Uh, that's how I was And then when it's us, I'm like, I don't know. That's how I feel. Too. But hey, there's still a chance we get Michael Walker before next year. Okay. Next week, whatever it is. Okay. Okay. Right, let's get out are of here. Are we going to do a special I gotta go get episode? If yeah. We get Michael uh, yeah, we will. Yep. I got I to gotta get out of here. I got to start making my inappropriate questions here. Okay. Are nice. you from here? Are you from here? Yeah. Are you from here? That'll be one too. Highly inappropriate. Are you from here? Highly inappropriate. Yep. What real people face. Oh, and, and then the oh the other quote co- he said in there just to wrap this up he said you want to write that down. Okay, I think we oh, say yeah, with like 70% ownership. Seven, you want to write that down. Right, right. Want to write that down. Yeah. And Dan was like, I already know that. I get paid to cover your team. <laughs> yeah. You well, you wouldn't down. know that unless you check the books. We all know he owns the majority. Who cares if it's 80 or 70 percent? Right. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, go to iTunes. Write us a review. Go pick follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, get a copy of the Fireballer on Amazon. All right, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at section three three six. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Roca. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. As always, go O's. Fact or myth? In the big game, the coin toss usually comes up heads. That is a myth. In fact, tails has come up more often in recent years. Football is full of myths. Like the pigskin isn't actually made of pigskin. Gambling is a share of myths too. Unfortunately, believing gambling myths can cost you a lot of money. So learn what's myth and what's fact at keepitfunohio.com. You'll also find helpful tips, interesting quizzes, and great games all to help ensure gambling is always fun. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.